You're listening to the Redeemed Sexuality Podcast, where sexuality meets discipleship. I'm your host, Drew Boa. What is sexual discipleship? When I was a kid, I loved the show Friends. I felt like I got to know the characters personally, and I thought they were hilarious, especially Chandler, Joey, and Phoebe. It wasn't until later that I realized what I watched was not just entertaining me, it was discipling me. The show was formative and deformative, influencing my beliefs, my behaviors, and my imagination about everything sexual. Even from a young age, my sexuality was being discipled. Now, what do I mean by that? On the positive side, friends modeled how to talk about sex and sexuality as a part of everyday life. Characters could have casual conversations about sex without feeling uncomfortable or awkward. But friends idolized sexual fulfillment. Sex was the center of the show. If a person's sex life was going well, they felt great about themselves. If not, they felt depressed and lonely. Friends made a persuasive case that sexual pleasure is the best part of life, and anyone who doesn't have it on a regular basis is missing out. It portrayed a promiscuous lifestyle with a variety of partners as normal, even necessary if you're not married. It took me a long time to realize just how deeply I had internalized these messages without even knowing it. To be fair to friends, the show was just one of hundreds of influences programming my brain with sexual stories and images from a young age. From the magazine covers at my grocery store to the music in my earbuds, every day, multiple times a day, I was being trained in what to love, how to think, and how to live as a sexual person. In short, I was being discipled. This is sexual discipleship. Before we talk about what sexual discipleship is, we need to correct a common misunderstanding. When most people hear sexual discipleship, they think teaching people how to have sex or teaching people how not to have sex or how to avoid sex. It can sound like abstinence education or couples enhancement. Either way, the assumption is that this is about technique or tinkering with sexual behavior, which completely misses the point. Sexual discipleship involves behavior, but it's mainly about who we are becoming, either more like Christ or, in my case, more like Chandler and Joey from Friends. So what is sexual discipleship? It's the daily process of becoming a particular kind of sexual person. So the question is not whether or not someone has been sexually discipled. We've all been sexually discipled. The question is how and by whom? By our peers and postmodern culture? By pornography? By our parents or our pastors? For most of us, the answer is a mix. Discipleship means more than behavior modification. It means molding our minds, directing our desires, and cultivating character, Christ-like or unchristlike. It's an ongoing process that's always happening, whether we choose it or not. For followers of Jesus, sexual discipleship is hard because it actually requires counterformation against the tide of three strong forces, our surrounding culture, our own sin, and our spiritual enemies who love to sabotage God's good gift of sexuality. Because of this, sexual discipleship is a battle. It's not a war on sexuality, but a war for the sake of sexuality, although the military metaphor can be taken too far. It is a rebellion against the tide of the self-centered sexual revolution, which swept over the world and the church in the mid-20th century. This has put Christians in a tough spot. 
How can we respond to this challenge? How can we effectively face the forces that would keep us from becoming more like Christ as sexual people? I would argue that we need nothing less than a counter-movement of Christ-centered sexual discipleship. What does that mean and what does that look like? I'm not arguing for more and more sexual education. No one explains the difference between the two better than Julie Slattery. In her forthcoming book, Rethinking Sexuality, she compares sexual education to learning a new language in a classroom and sexual discipleship to living in a host culture where that language is spoken every day. Formal classroom language learning can be a good first step for some people, but it's not enough. Often you can get by without really learning it. On the other hand, in a host culture, you have to really learn that language. And you can, because you're immersed. You're seeing and hearing that language thousands of times a day. And that host culture is not just teaching you a language. It's teaching you a way of life. The classroom may or may not have educated you, but the host culture is discipling you in a million little ways. In the same way, you may or may not have been sexually educated at home, at school, or at church, but you were certainly sexually discipled by mass media and modern American culture. Consider the following questions. What sexual narratives did you see as normal and good? What love stories captured your imagination? Who did you grow up looking up to, sexually speaking? Whose sexuality, whose love life did you see as the ideal of what you would want? How did you learn what's attractive and unattractive? Where did you get your idea of beauty and ugliness? And what did you feel like you needed to be sexually fulfilled and whole? These are questions of sexual discipleship, and our answers to them are more often the result of what we love and desire than what we think and believe. So it's not just a matter of learning a biblical approach to sexuality in a classroom-like setting. It's also a matter of training our hearts, training our desires, what we dream about and pursue with our lives. Yet most Christian parents and pastors are content with providing occasional sex ed rather than creating a culture of ongoing sexual discipleship. The logic goes like this. If I can just teach my teenager a biblical view of sex and warn them against the alternatives, then they'll have what they need. They'll be equipped to stick to God's design in our over-sexualized culture. Right? Wrong. It's very possible to recite all the right answers to sexual questions and obey all the rules and still be basically sinful and self-centered as a disciple of Jesus. What people learn from a lecture in class or a sermon in church doesn't tend to stick, and it can't compete with our surrounding culture's constant stream of sexual stories, images, values, and embedded ideas about the way it should be. Even if we have formal sex ed, mass media has entered in through the back door by going straight to our hearts, our emotions, our ambitions, our imaginations. Even if we know what God's Word says about sexuality, even if we believe it, we need to be discipled to love it if we're ever going to live it. You might be thinking, that sounds great, but what can we actually do? How do we move from sex ed to sexual discipleship? I'm glad you asked. Let's bring sexuality into more normal conversations, not just teaching settings or having the talk. Satan loves it when Christians are silent about sexuality, because then his messages have a monopoly. 
Our problem is not that we hear too many sexual messages or see too many sexual images. We just need to see and hear better ones, healthier ones, more Christ-like ones. Let's create compelling stories of sexuality as beautiful and also broken. Stories of marriage as desirable and also difficult. Stories of singleness as valid and valuable. Let's find real-life role models to sexually disciple us. Mature mentors who model what it means to enjoy and embrace God's design for sexuality. Let's start more support groups where sexually broken people struggling with shame and sin, pornography and masturbation, sexual assault and abuse, can find healing and freedom in Christ through an ongoing process of discipleship. And let's change the questions we ask. Let's not only ask whether things like masturbation or cohabitation are right or wrong. Instead of asking, where's the line all the time? Let's ask, is this making me more like Christ or less like Christ? How is this forming me, shaping me, discipling me? And let's not just settle for sexual purity, but aim for sexual maturity as followers of Jesus, rebelling against the self-centered sexual revolution, instead seeking to be trained by Christ to love, think, dream, and live just like him. How have you been sexually discipled? Who or what has sexually discipled you?